The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. According to Harvard Health Study published in 2017, people who slept seven to eight hours per day compared to those that sleep for less were more likely to die of heart disease. Similarly, for people that were overweight or obese, sleeping less than seven hours per day were also strongly linked to a high risk of death from heart disease. So to help us better understand the relationship between sleep and our heart, we are speaking to echocardiologist at CVS CEO, Dr. Philip Curry. So how is it that our sleep affects conditions like our blood pressure, etc.? How does it impact our heart health? Poor sleep by itself means higher blood pressure, becoming overweight, and being overweight then leads to a, a greater chance of then having obstructive sleep apnea mm. that then leads to poor sleep. And so that there are a whole lot of vicious cycles mm. that just make the effects on your heart a lot, lot worse. And I suppose when you say it like that, they're all risk factors of heart disease, high blood pressure, gaining weight, uh, diabetes, diabetes, all risk factors, and that and also to leading to higher cholesterol. Yes, and they're they're also then leading to rhythm problems, mm. and the increased risks of heart attacks and the increased risks of strokes. So then, if um, you start getting high blood pressure, some of those risk factors becoming present in your life, should you be thinking? Are they associated with your sleep? Is that the time you should be maybe discussing with your doctor that sleep could be contributing? Absolutely, because we absolutely go out and say, oh, in isolation, you've got high blood pressure. Let's give you medicines. Yes. Hey, in isolation, you've got type 2 diabetes. Mm. Um, you know, eat less. But if during your sleep, you're producing hormones that, that are actually making you hungry, mm. you are in your, it's another straightforward way that you can help yourself and not rely on a whole lot of drugs and other modern medicine. Isn't it better to be thinking of, of prevention? Yes. And have you seen as a cardiologist, people actually be able to come off their blood pressure medicine or reduce their dose by improving their sleep? The classic example was many years ago, I had a gentleman who had very high blood pressure mm. and I did everything I possibly could, could do in terms of trying to reduce his blood pressure. But mm. in the middle of the night, it was just impossible to get his blood pressure down. Yeah. And I asked him about his, his uh, does he snore? Yep. Is, uh, is there, during the day, does he have any sleepiness during the day? And he totally denied, denied, denied. And then one day his wife came in mm -hmm. and I asked the same question. I said, I just cannot understand. Yeah. And his wife just went ballistic. 
Sleep? Uh, no, <laughs> yeah. Sleep? Don't get me started. I don't even sleep in the same room. Oh. I'm at the other end of the end of the oh. house, and he still wakes me up. Oh my anyway, god! Anyway, what what happened was that we then sent him for a comprehensive sleep study. Yes. And he had one of the highest, a uh, highest scores. Yes. Of having severe obstructive sleep apnea. Yeah. Then, when I then. He then went on CPAP, and he was a different man, and his blood pressure significantly came. Now, while that is an anecdote, yes. that then led me to my aha moment. And from that time on, it's now 15 years ago, Yes, I absolutely know that having a better understanding, better yeah. better understanding of sleep, sleep quality, and in also in those people that have obstructive sleep apnea, the application of CPAP and other measures mm. to try and alleviate that does affect the blood pressure. Yes. We also know that there have been a number of studies that have shown effective treatment of obstructive sleep apnea reduces uh, high blood pressure. Yes. And so this is another way of treating high blood pressure, treating atrial fibrillation. So how much sleep as a cardiologist would you suggest to patients to have? How much is is a good amount of sleep, good quality sleep, to help your heart health? Well, it's said that seven to eight hours on the vast majority of people. Mm. There are only very, very, very few people that naturally can get by with a lot less. Um, an important part of sleep health mm. is actually forming habits. And they talk about sleep hygiene, mm. and that is to be thinking all about how to ensure that you have high quality of sleep. And that, first of all, is the habit of going to bed and waking up at the same time mm. during the week and also at the weekend and you are then educating your body and your to actually do that properly the next thing is to understand well what is the bedroom for mm. the bedroom should be for sleep so how do you have the right environment for sleep well, clearly a dark room. Mm. Clearly it should be cool. Next is to try and avoid, as you're going to sleep, to have a heavy meal, yeah. to have alcohol, to um, exercise just before you go to, to, uh, to sleep. Because if you exercise very late, what is happening is that you're telling your body, it's time to wake up. It's time to be active active um, next is also not to take your phone your ipads mm. and screens yeah. into the bedroom because it's all the blue light isn't it that activates yes. your mind but in actual fact it is far better not mm. to look at your email not to go onto the news feeds yeah not to go on to Facebook or uh, YouTube videos late at night. The next thing is that commonly people have an understanding of what is their sleep position. 
that there is a favorite position that they're more likely to go off to sleep in. And so what you want to do is assume that position. A lot of people think that sleep is just one continuous from sleeping to waking up. When in actual fact that there is 60 to 90 minute cycles of which you go down and you go into deeper sleep and then you come back up. And evolutionary, you're doing that because every so often you want to just come back to a higher level of consciousness to just be aware that you are more susceptible to the outside environment while you're still asleep, but you're more aware of your outside environment. And so that's somewhat protective. Now what happens is that commonly people, they go down, they then come up, and they may actually come to a level of consciousness. Mm. And then they think, oh my, oh hell, mm. um, I've got a problem, I've got a problem. No, this is part of the natural process. And so what you should do is roll over, get back into the, your most comfortable going to sleep position, mm. and then be comforted to know this is all part of norm normality. You are supposed to, to during the night, come back up, mm. and then you assume, assume your, your most sleep, uh, comfortable sleep position, and then just go back down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So in terms of, as a cardiologist, when you're consulting with patients who have heart conditions, should every patient be concerned about their sleep, who has blood pressure problems? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And there are, you know, simple, simple questionnaires yes. that give you a, a good understanding that a patient might have a significant problem with obstructive sleep apnea. And that is the stop bang uh, questionnaire, where there are uh, uh, the, each initial of this stop bang represents part of the conditions. Mm. S is for snore. Yes. T is are you tired during the day? Mm -hmm. And that's manifested by you falling asleep in front of TV or yeah. reading or in front of the computer or even worse. In front of the, in, while driving. While driving yeah. at the stop signs. Yes. Um, o is uh, in regards to evidence of uh, obstruction. And that is stopping breathing that is really shown best by their partner saying that the, uh, the person has woken up the partner yeah. by the snoring and in between the snoring... They've stopped breathing. They've stopped breathing. So the partner is more aware of both the snoring and also the witnessing of the stopping breathing or the yes. apnea. Yeah. And so it is essential to be asking the partner mm. what is it like at night. Or recording it on their phone. They yes, could, if they're, yes. If they're on their own, they could record their sleep on their phone. The patient themselves are really not aware of it because when they're really snoring, they're deeply asleep. Yes. And it is only when they are being forced to wake up and the body forces you to wake up because this process is actually strangling you. Mm. And here you've got a condition where the patient is actually 
really hurting themselves by this self-strangulation. And as I said, this oxygen level going down, and in some people with severe sleep apnea, they can have 100 times an hour or even 150 times an hour where they have um, more than uh, 10 seconds at a time where their oxygen level significantly drops, Mm. their blood pressure rises, and they are actually damaging their heart and their vascular. Wow. uh, Their their, their blood vessels. Yes. And what's the P then? P is high blood pressure. Right. So every patient with high blood pressure, they should be asking the partner and also looking at their sleep patterns. And what's a measurement of high blood pressure? What's the... So if you've got a blood pressure of over 130 over 80, is that high or what's high blood pressure? Uh, yeah, 135 over 85 uh-huh. is is the beginning of high, high blood, blood pressure. pressure. Mm-hmm. Optimal blood pressure is even lower than that. Yes. But they're the upper limits of what normal is. Yes. And you really would like to be well below those upper limits. Yes. Because it doesn't take much to then go over. So and with the stop bang, if it's over 130 over, or 135 yeah. over 85, yeah. you're yeah. in that yes. high risk. And then, then we go to the bang part of it, mm-hmm. and B is for the BMI, yes. and BMI greater than 30. Yeah. And that BMI is calculated from your height and weight and is easily, there's a ton of calculators yes. on the, uh, on the internet. internet. Yeah. And then A is for age Mm -hmm. and if you're over 50 because what we do know is that while there are people with uh, obstructive sleep apnea at younger ages, it increases with age. Mm -hmm. So then the N and the G in the bang? N N is for the neck circumference because part of the reason Mm -hmm. that you get uh, obstruction uh, yeah. is that you are depositing more fat in your neck yes. and therefore around the upper airway mm-hmm. so that as you then go to sleep, everything relaxes and therefore you've got more fat that then mm. <laughs> sort of causes a, a relaxed upper airway in that is narrowed because of fat all around it is far more likely yeah. to then develop snoring and obstructive sleep apnea. And finally, the G. The G is for gender, in the fact that males are more likely to have this problem than females. Although, do not think it is only males. Yes. And do not think that it is only obese patients, because what you also have is underlying a predisposition based on your anatomy of your upper airway. Mm-hmm. So therefore, what it means is that there are some patients that have a perfect upper airway, and no matter how large they become, mm-hmm. they may not have obstructive sleep apnea, even if they become morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. But the majority of people, if they get more and more overweight, they are more and more likely to get obstructive sleep apnea. So sleep 
it is one of the big threes about health. What you eat, how you move, mm. how you sleep. And I think on that note, so they're the main, as a cardiologist, if you would, when you're treating a patient and you're consulting a patient, they're the, they're the main key factors that patients should really go home and have a good hard look at those parts of their life and try and improve, get better quality sleep, physical exercise and eating better. Absolutely. And on that note, let's finish off. Let's all go home, get some sleep, eat well and move our bodies. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please send me an email of any medical topics you would love to learn more about by simply emailing me at danae at meditalk.com.au. Danae, D-A-N-A-E, at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and let's talk soon.